Welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast. Now in full Technicolor, uh, we are on video today, so we're going to be uh, playing around with that. Um, but you got all three of us today. We're going to be talking about uh, not a whole lot going on at the box office, uh, but a fair amount going on around Netflix. Um, and then we've all been just watching a very different spread of movies on our own. Um, so it should be fun diving into that. But let's go ahead and just jump into the Netflix top 10. Um, so in the number one spot, we have We Can Be Heroes, followed by Pieces of a Woman at number two, Unknown at number three, 17 Again, number four, Good Burger at number five, Catch Me If You Can at number six, Killers, number seven, SWAT, number eight, Rango, number nine, and number 10, 30 Minutes or Less. Um, so no Illumination, uh, which I think is already 2021's not off to a good start if that's kind of where they're at. Um, but it's really not a crazy um, lineup. I mean, it's nice to see Good Burger on there. Um, always a fan of that. But yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. We Can Be Heroes still making a lot of waves. And then uh, Pieces of a Woman, which we'll jump into probably here in just a few moments. Um, up there, but I'm, I'm sure some of the recent uh, allegations and drama kind of around that has kind of pulled it back a little bit. Um, but let's go with uh, impressions of the movie. So I know, Nick, you saw this one, and Brendan, you saw this one a while ago as well. Yeah, it's huh, it's one of those where it's definitely going to get kind of uh, contend for awards. That's definitely for sure. Um, a lot of really good performances, especially Vanessa Kirby, Ellen Burstyn, too, and Shia LaBeouf. But obviously, he has the allegations against him by FK Twigs, so that kind of muddies the waters there a little bit. But... Um, yeah, I, I think we'll kind of get into this a little more as well. But the first 30 minutes of this movie are just really, really good. <laughs> like it's really agonizing and really tough to watch. Um, and it's just really, it just works really well. And then after that, there's 90 minutes of just stuff <laughs> all over the place, um, which I felt was a little scattered. Um, but I think it's weird because I think a lot of people do really like this movie. It's kind of one of those where it's, I don't know if it's polarizing, but I think people either really like it or kind of feel a little lukewarm to it yeah i think i like it a bit more than you i'm not in love with the film i think that it does have some problems uh but i did really enjoy it i think mostly it is for uh, the performances as you said and and it is that kind of that first quarter of this film that really is the strongest uh aspect of it especially the 22 minute unbroken take kind of at the beginning and as you said, it's 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 a tough bit to watch, but I think it's probably some of the most impressive work of the year. But the rest of the film, and especially in the second half, I do feel like there is a drag in the movie kind of after that uh, brilliant start. Yeah, it's just like the worst time this movie could have came out because it's like an unbelievable bummer. Like this is one of the most like because it's about Vanessa Kirby, who she's married to Shia LaBeouf and. Um, the, that first that 22 minute long take is her going into labor at home. There's a midwife and complications ensue. And then her child dies uh, right after she um, right after the baby's born. And um, it's just like in the rest of the 90 minutes of this movie is dealing with that trauma. Mm -hmm. And just like after watching like a coup <laughs> on the Capitol this week, I feel like it's I'm surprised it's actually doing this well on Netflix because I feel like a lot of people would look more for like an escape rather than like watching this just very harrowing and depressing movie. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's actually really surprising to me that it's doing this well. That's one thing I definitely wanted to point out. I think it's incredibly surprising how, how well it's doing. 
Um, yeah, and to be number two right now this at this point here after its first few days out, I think is really impressive. You look back at Mank last month, it didn't even really crack the top seven, I don't think. I think it debuted its first day in the top ten, and then it was out. So this thing to hold on to number two is really good uh, for it. I think also, I don't know if you've seen this from, or if anyone's logged into Netflix in the last few days, but they've really plastered it all over uh, kind of the interface of Netflix right now. So it's really, you can't really avoid pieces of women. It's just everywhere. Um, uh, but yeah, that it is sitting at number two, which is pretty impressive. Um, uh, but yeah, did, do you guys, did you guys kind of experience that as well? If you have logged on Netflix at all? Yeah, I think they've done a really good job just in general. I feel like Netflix, they have what, like 50,000 Oscar contenders this year. Like they have so many and they're going to be like probably five nominees for best picture coming from Netflix, maybe somewhere in there. But they've all been like so far apart from each other. Like Mank was yeah. in was that December. Then you had Ma Rainey was at the end of December and you had a few before that as well. I feel like they've spaced them out really well so they can kind of be like, hey, this movie is really important like notice this movie I mean, it's not cannibalizing mm-hmm. like there are other movies that are playing well i guess the only one is the midnight sky which i got like an award screener for but i don't think anyone likes that movie so who knows but um no <laughs> i think yeah it's i think they're really pushing hard I, I mean we can talk about the oscar stuff i don't think this movie will get a best picture nominee because i feel like it's slightly too divisive as a whole but i think vanessa kirby is like a shoe-in for best actress I think Ellen Burstyn is too. And I think those are like the two places that they're going to push hard for here. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Vanessa Kirby's definitely uh, going to push for that. I think we'll see her name pop up a lot. And Ellen Burstyn, I didn't really uh, like, I think she had some good monologues. I think that's really what she was there for, right? To deliver some powerful monologues um, about uh, being a woman and just kind of, you know, strength uh, through, uh, through life and stuff. But She's kind of her name's been kind of starting to pick up a little bit more now as this movie's come out the last few days. I think everyone was looking out for Vanessa Kirby, but she's kind of from first reactions, at least she's been the name, in my opinion, that has kind of uh, jumped out a bit more on social media. Yeah, I'm looking at Gold Derby right now. And so looking at their best supporting actress odds. So Amanda Seyfried looks like she's probably like the go ahead favorite at this point. And then you have Olivia Coleman for The Father, which is a movie I don't think anyone has seen, but everyone's penciled that in. It's like, yeah, this movie's important, so watch out for it. And then Ellen Burstyn is three. And then you have uh, Yeo Jung Yoon from Minari. Then you have Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, which is kind of hilarious <laughs> that she's in that five spot there. Um, yeah, I I feel like I feel similar to you, Brennan, like in terms of the movie itself. She didn't really necessarily wow me, but... Mm-hmm. I think when you look at like the rest of the field, because even like Saoirse Ronan for Ammonite, it really had, like you would think that would be like a shoe in best supporting actress performance, but she's not really picking up steam. She's behind Glenn Close on Gold Derby, which is kind of amazing. Um, so I guess it's kind of like one of those like by default that she's probably going to get nominated. But um, yeah, I think it's Vanessa Kirby is like the clear standout of this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I think so for sure. And she's really going to be the one they push. But uh, yeah, it'll be neat to see what happens. I think when Minari comes out, uh, Yao Yung Jung, as you said there, will probably do uh, well. I mean, she's winning a lot of awards right now. She won in L.A. She won in North Carolina. She won. Uh, she's won eight so far, Best Supporting Actress. And she's 
leading that so far, just from kind of head to the ground, these little critic circles. So we'll see if when Minari comes out in February, we'll see if maybe that even boosts her even more. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting, but I don't see this movie really touching anywhere besides those two categories. Yeah. And I think that's, there's like a few of those movies every year in the Oscars where it's like, oh yeah, they had like a good performance or two and then, but nothing really, nothing else really gets uh, nominated. I think of like Judy last year, which was basically, it was just Renee Zellweger. And that was mm-hmm. like about it. <laughs> Cause everyone was like, yeah, this movie isn't that great, but then Renee Zellweger is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's kind of, that is kind of indicative of the movie as a whole for me. I guess we can get back to the movie itself, but um because it's it's a lot of like actors acting like these really big performances and this is one of those movies where we I think we talked a little bit about like poverty porn for Hillbilly LG because it's really just wallowing in how like poor the people were and I wouldn't say this is like I wouldn't say this is like a depression porn or anything like that but it's like it's very much like it's like very very heavy it's very very heavy subject matter and that's it's like an easy win over for the audience to think that this is like a very important movie about things and about heavy themes, you know. Um, but I don't think the second half of this movie particularly or like the last three quarters, I guess, works particularly well. Um, I would still recommend it, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's fine. Um, I don't really have anything like super negative to say about it, but I think the. It's ironic because the movie's called Pieces of a Woman, but I feel like the second half is like so splintered and just like all over the place. Because you talk about, because it's like the second half of this movie is how about people are sta- are dealing with grief in their own different ways. Because like Vanessa Kirby like is very inward. Shia LaBeouf's character is just going all over the place. And there's like a really weird subplot where he's like banging like his lawyer or something like that. And then Ellen Burson is just very depressed and she has like a very crazy background where she was like a Holocaust survivor or something like that. It's, yeah. it's a lot of deep, heavy stuff, but um, I think it's, it's more like showy and saying like, here, this movie is about things. And then rather, rather than showing the thematic depth of like its subject matter, I feel like it's a little performative in that way. And in that way, it does drag a little. Um, one thing I did want to point out, though, great to see Benny Safdie. Great to see him yeah, there. Yeah, A couple true. scenes. Uh, and then Ellen Burstein, I didn't really, I, I, I didn't think this at all, but just kind of looking at her here, she's 88 years old. That's pretty crazy. She has been around for so long. I feel like yeah. there is a, like, I feel like there is like a group of people who don't really, because I can't remember what her last big movie was. Maybe like Requiem for a Dream. Or maybe I just can't really think of it, but like, I feel like she really hasn't been in the public eye a lot. So I feel like there isn't like a, like there isn't like a strong, people don't have like a strong gravitation to her as they would have in years past, but she's a great, I think it might, it could be one of those where it's like a, like a lifetime achievement award esque kind of Oscar win for her or a nomination because everyone really likes her and she's been in so many good movies over the years throughout like the seventies, eighties and nineties. So, um, it was cool seeing her. I can't remember the last time I saw her in a movie before this. She was in Interstellar. Oh, she was, she was old Murph. (laughs) For like a minute. That's right. The uh, the hit movie, the age of Adeline. (laughs) I forgot that was a thing. Uh, that was what a strange movie. Um, uh, but yeah, I yeah, I feel like she's uh she it kind of reminds me of um like Christopher Plummer in the sense that like yes, he's really famous and he's like known for a lot of stuff, but he just disappeared. And then what was it, twenty seventeen when he did 
all the money in the world, and now he's just kind of everywhere again. Um, you know, he just did Knives Out last year. And I feel like it's kind of that same caliber of actor in the sense that mm. obviously their best work is pretty much behind them, but they'll still show up and just do something every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's been like she's been working a lot. Like I'm looking at her IMDb right now, and she's she has a credit for every single year. So, um, like she was in Lucy in the Sky last year. Um, she's been in a lot of TV. I guess like the last time like she was like a really heavy like hitter in terms of like general film discourse rather than just like film Twitter was probably W when she played Barbie Barbara Bush back in like 2008. But like other than that, like. She's kind of like it's not to say she's disappeared. Like she's been working and she's great, um, but I don't. I feel like this will be the first time in a while where we're like fo- really focused on one of her performances. You know? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> um, and then I'm really not surprised to see We Can Be Heroes still at the top of the Netflix top ten. I'm um, just kind of getting back to that. Um, so I I'm curious. Though whether that's more of a nostalgia thing, like people are watching it and be like, yeah, I, I have these weird memories of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Or if it's kind of that typical Netflix thing with kids movies where it's like, well, kids are going to want to watch this like three times a day for the next month until the next one there's comes along. A, yeah, there's got to be a blend of those two, uh, two factors that it's kind of keeping it at a top of the top 10 for sure. Yeah, I feel like it's one the memes for us very very strong. Um, but I actually, what did we talk about this movie? Like we've all seen this movie now, right? Like we only talked about it when we just figured out it existed for the first time, but we haven't really talked about the movie itself. I can't remember I this movie. Uh, okay, well I saw this movie, and um, it's definitely it's it's for kids. Like it's if you're ten years old, like you'll love you'll probably love this movie. But I was watching it just like I was. Um, Danny Glover just being like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> like, it was just, it's just very, very centered towards kids. And that's not to say a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. But it's just like, I'm a 25 year old guy. Like, it's probably just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not for my thing. It's not my jam. But um, yeah, I think this kind of replaces um, like the Illumination or like the big animated movie in the top 10. Like, it's just, it's very much for kids and, basically only four kids and you can just like put it on in the background and just kids can be happy watching other kids with superpowers and then they can leave you alone for a little bit and if you're a parent you can have your sanity back for an hour and a half (laughs) yeah and then other than that i don't think anything was too crazy um rango there's always got to be an animated movie on there somewhere um it's nice to see catch me if you can on the list and so um i've Take, take this very lightly uh, when I try to use the term underrated uh, with the word Steven Spielberg, because um, I don't think he really has any <laughs> underrated films uh, being Steven Spielberg. Uh, but I think like as far as just his filmography goes, this is one of the least talked about, um, which I think is unfortunate because, you know, you kind of lose sight of a lot of his smaller stuff when you've got stuff like Jurassic Park and Jaws and Indiana Jones and Schindler's List and all the big Spielberg movies. Um, up behind it, but I I really really love uh, Catch Me If You Can. I saw that for the first time last year, and uh, just like watching Tom Hanks and DiCaprio kind of antagonize each other for two hours is a treat. It's a good duo. Yeah, I was, I actually watched it for the first time this weekend. I saw it was on Netflix, and I gave a shot, and 
Um, I actually agree. I think it's really fun. And DiCaprio is really dashing in it. I guess this was right after Titanic, right? Because this was like, what, 2002. So mm-hmm. I guess um, this was a big deal amongst all of the like the Leo followers back then. But yeah, you're right. It's like Hanks is really good. And he I don't know if that is that accent good in that movie. I'm not sure. But he acts his way through it really nicely. Like he, he's doing he has a good time with it. And DiCaprio is really good. And it's just like, it's great Spielberg direction. You got the good John Williams score going throughout it. It's just really entertaining. And it's funny how entertaining it is because it's a movie about loneliness and like, <laughs> like dealing with like a broken home. Cause it's like Leo, Leo DiCaprio's character leaves home because his parents are getting divorced. Um, so it's crazy that the movie that entertaining can be about such like kind of sad subject matter. I guess only Spielberg can do that. Uh, there's a pre-fame Amy Adams uh, playing a pretty big role in the movie too. I think it's just fun because oh, she's, she's like just completely ignorant to all this nonsense going on around her, <laughs> around Leo's character. Um, as he's like pretending to be a pilot and a doctor and a lawyer and just like all the crazy stuff that Frank Abagnale got into. Really quick interjection. Speaking of Amy Adams, saw Arrival for the first time. Brilliant. You never seen it before? Never. That's never. cool. I've been meaning yeah, to I mean, watch that for a while. I don't know why. I just had never watched it, but uh, finally watched Arrival. Such a good movie. Anyways, I yield the floor. That Denis Villeneuve guy. He can he can make a movie. Yeah, he's I going guys, places. I hope you guys don't think we're done talking about Amy Adams because I'm going to bring her up later <laughs> on too. <laughs> uh, I'm not done talking about Amy Adams. Can we talk about her braces when she shows up and catch me if you can. <laughs> They're the most hilarious over the top braces and she is so funny because she's just like grinning really really hard like you can see her gums just everything in her braces and it's so funny i love her character introduction and catch me if you can i think it's brilliant yeah, yeah. So that's 2002 so she's got to be what in her mid-20s when that came out or late 20s um probably so. early 20s by that point because she was she didn't really break out until like 2007 2008 because she did like a little stint on the office and then mm-hmm. i think her first like big big role would have been enchanted maybe was this before enchanted right yeah because enchanted yeah. was it was like 2007 yeah that's 2007 this is yeah. probably her first big role right because before that i'm actually looking at her imdb and she's kind of just oh like a lot of like single episodes in tv and then <laughs> Catch me if you can. So this is probably like, that's kind of funny. Like the your first introduction to Amy Adams, who's gone on to be this amazing actress, is like her grinning with big <laughs> massive braces. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it that way. Okay, yeah. so I'd say after this, her first like big breakout role would have been in Talladega Nights, because uh, she plays uh-huh. the yeah. love interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what a good movie. Um, and then she also did an episode of Smallville, uh, where she plays like a vampire that sucks the fat out of people. (laughs) Great. I need to see that. That's amazing. Uh, it's better. I I can watch, I can wash out the feeling of hillbilly elegy by watching some of her other work. Oh my God. She's, I can't get over how bad she's in that movie. It's so bad. I feel so bad for her because I love her and everything else pretty much, but oof. Yikes. She's got a big year coming up with the Snyder Cut, so. <laughs> <laughs> and a Woman in the Window. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, I, uh, I think it seems to be a bomb. Do you remember the days where you just see that trailer before every movie? 
before movie theaters shut down. <laughs> it was that. Um, what was the other one? White Boy Rick a couple years ago I saw before every single movie. I don't know how I pulled that because I haven't thought about that movie since I saw it in theaters. Um, yeah. I've never I, seen the Ghostbusters a lot. The, the one that's coming out uh, soon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one was like in every every showing. Or uh, What Men Want was just like beaten into my brain. Or the uh, the Tiffany Haddish one, uh, uh, well, Like a Boss. Like, like a Boss, yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite movie of 2020, Like a Boss. Or uh, My Spy, I saw a lot. That just kept playing on loop. Yeah. And that one with the Prime video afterwards, which is kind of ironic. It was one of those that like, it's always those movies that keep getting shuffled around a bit. So it's like yeah, they'll lead up yeah, to yeah. it and then it'll move and they're like, well, we've already started. We're not going to stop now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, to back to Woman in the Window for a second, it's directed by Joe Wright, who I think it's going to be great. I think yeah, it's it could be, be pretty good. Yeah. This Darkest Hour, uh, Atonement, yeah. the, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. He's got some like he's had some good movies under his belt. That could be pretty interesting. I think it'll be good. I'm just scared. Uh, I don't know why. I just have this weird tingling about it uh, that it could be bad, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm going off I, nothing. I, yeah, I feel like that movie. Like I, f- I keep forgetting that that was like a thing that was supposed to happen this year because it was one of those that I feel like immediately got pushed back to to, to, to this year. I guess I keep forgetting it's 2001 or 2021, but. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's kind of like goofy because she's just like afraid to go outside, and it seems like it's playing that for like Hitchcock thrills. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I really like Amy Adams, so except oh, for her very. I mean, so, it's got a pretty solid cast overall because uh, you know Brian Tyree Henry's in there. He's just kind of been showing up in everything lately. Mm. Uh, we got Anthony Mackie, Jennifer Jason Lee, on top of like Julianne Moore and Gary Oldman, who are in the mm. trailer with her. Oh. Mm-hmm. It it has all the makings to be great. I just got this tingle. I think it could, I could be fun. Who knows? It could Only be. Turn. It could be one of those where it's like so absurd that it's bad, but in like the most hilarious, best way possible. What I keep I think. thinking too is uh, the girl and the train. Is that what it's called with uh, Emily? Oh, the girl on the train. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, yeah. Which, which I, I don't know why. There's honestly no connection, but for some reason, when I think of this movie, I think of that movie, and I think of that movie is uh, she is a good performance, but I think it's not a great movie. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one. I was just like, oh, it looks like a Gone Girl ripoff, so I'm just not going to see it. And no one yeah. really liked it, apparently. Yeah. She so. was good in it. I think she was really good in it, but it was it was zany. It was wild. Interesting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a long tangent on <laughs> Amy Adams. <laughs> and, uh, that we started talking about uh, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and wow. then we went to Braces, and now we're here. Um <laughs> But I think See like, what happens when we're on video? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I think this is a pretty solid Netflix lineup. Um, like, I mean, Good Burger is just like more memes. Um, it kind of falls within that uh, we can be heroes vein of of movies. I mean, it's just it's just an iconic Nickelodeon movie, and it's never going to go away. At least that's my hope. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I've seen Good Burger so many times, but the one thing I can remember about it is the like the welcome to welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. It's like all I can remember. <laughs> I feel like I've seen it so many times, and I've seen so many memes about it. So maybe it's time I revisit it. Yeah, and then like SWAT's on the top ten list this week, 
And I know for a fact that I saw that movie quite a few times growing up because it was just like an action movie that was always on TV. Uh, but I can't tell you a single thing about it other than Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> the, the title is hilarious. Just S-W-A-T. Big letters. It sounds Big like deal. a cheer. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that, uh, that kind of wraps up Netflix for this week. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump into what we've been watching lately. Um, so we are in kind of the slower release period for the year. Um, especially when studios are still a little anxious to see whether or not they'll actually release things as rescheduled. Um, so I think everybody's just kind of getting into stuff we missed in 2020, wrapping up 2020 lists and just getting into uh, just whatever's out there. So Brennan, if you want to take it away with what you've been watching lately. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I won't really go into this, but I did, yeah, this past week kind of try to watch a ton of 2020s and i think uh what was one of them sonic i finally watched sonic <laughs> um, it's not great obviously but i love seeing a kind of a vintage wild jim carrey performance i think it brought us back to the uh the days of the mask and stuff like that um but yeah so two things i did watch this week that i did want to know were i finally took advantage of that one year apple trial which I've really been putting off, never really looked at it, but I had a reason to. So I watched Wolf Walkers and On the Rocks. Uh, Wolf Walkers was brilliant. Obviously, the hand-drawn animation, it's gorgeous. Um, and I think, Nick, you as well saw it uh, pretty recently. Um, but yeah, this was a great film, and I think it's it's definitely one of my favorites from 2020. Obviously, we still have 2020s to come, uh, but it, it was it was really done well. What do you think of it, Nick? Yeah, are we considering the movies that are coming out between now and the Oscars 2020 movies? I feel like that's like a sticking point for everybody. I don't really know what to do with that. It's an interesting discussion. I've been, I've set a date of February 14th. That's when I'm going to cut it off, personally. Um, well, what made you choose the 14th? Because uh, what comes out that week? Minari. So I'm just going to say that's it. I'm done. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, the Oscars, that checks out. Set, the Oscars set the 28th of February. Uh, so it's, it's close enough for uh, me and I'll be more important than the Oscars. So February 14th, <laughs> <laughs> that, logic, that logic makes, it makes total sense. And but it out. seems like, yeah, it seems like they're, it seems like with the two month push of the Oscars and most of the other award shows, it seems like February is 2020, January is 2020. And then March is when we start 2021, but it's kind of weird. It's, it'll be, it'll be weird. Uh, yeah. I guess Valentine's Day last year was kind of the last like normal week because that was Invisible Man came out that weekend. And that was kind of the last somewhat normal release before everything shut down. So I, I yeah. think that's pretty fair. That was a that was a fun showing, Invisible Man. A little tangent here, but do you guys uh, theaters you go to is it pre booked, pre seating or Yeah. Yeah, pre booked. Yeah. yeah, me too, but there's this one that I went to and they have one screen out of like the twelve they have that's not pre booked for some reason. And it was the Invisible Man one. And I went and I was like, okay, so Invisible Man's popular. It should be pretty busy. Get there about 15 minutes early. There's like no seats. I'm like, dang, this is like old days. Remember like being young and uh, back before the pre-booking, it was like a scramble to get seats. <laughs> Just had to walk in. I wasn't even the last one. People came in. Couples to came walk in, in like a heathen? <laughs> Couples came in after me. They, they had to sit apart and stuff like that. Like it was... I, just, I sat at the very front, uh, but yeah, it was it was fun, good time. Missed the theaters, 
Um, but yeah, back to what I did check out. So besides Wolf Walkers, which I, I found really good, uh, I watched uh, Sofia Coppola's On the Rocks um, uh, with Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Uh, good movie. I, I did enjoy it. I think like most Sofia Coppola movies, I think that it's kind of a lot of just uh, I think a lot of her movies are missing something, but I think it, it it's this one even more so than the rest. It really does just feel like a buddy hangout movie, uh, but it is fun. It's enjoyable. And Bill Murray kind of gets to strut his charm in this movie. Um, and I would watch it for him because I, I like Bill Murray, but I think this performance, especially he's just, he's kind of this old guy with a lot of swag, even if he, maybe he doesn't, uh, maybe he's losing it. His daughter is embarrassed at times by what he says, but I liked him in this movie, and I enjoyed the movie for what it was. But those are the two Apple originals I watched. So we'll see if those make any award splashes. So uh, touching on you watching Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> I, I would like to point out <laughs> that that was like the most consistently memeable movie throughout the year. Mm. Uh, you know, like Birds of Prey came, not really many good memes. Onward, kind of the same thing. But like Sonic, there was like a new meme format coming from that. 100%. Even as far as like December, um, so I think there's <laughs> there's some longevity there. I think if they want to be nice to those uh, those visual effects artists, they'll toss it a visual effects nomination. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's a weak year, right? A lot of movies move, a lot of the big blockbusters, so it could sneak in there. But even then, uh, it was uh, a little bit shoddy at times. Yeah, it's the so best Oliver Garden movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Best Olive Garden movie, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that line. That was hilarious. Talk about uh, inserted advertising. <laughs> it's almost as bad as the Power Rangers Krispy Kreme one. Remember that one? <laughs> oh, <laughs> a few years ago. Where the third act takes place inside of a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I nothing mean, nothing comes close. I know what you're going to say. Nothing's going to top the Dunkachino. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's peak but that's like over that's like really over <laughs> there's one um i i need to i don't know i don't have it up with me because i can't call them out officially but there's one twitter account i follow and every single day it's they do a new version of the dunkachino video i've seen that so it was like there was like one time where they did Dunkachino as like a 1920s silent film. <laughs> so it's like it's like the really grainy photo of like the dance. And like every so often there's like a big like title card with like all of the lines of the songs on it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's one of the most amazing things I've seen. Like the amount of time that someone put into that is incredible. <laughs> we, we appreciate these people. We do. We live for them, you know. Yeah. We're for the memes. They're for the memes. We'll go, yeah. We come together. Let's build together, gentlemen. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Nick, what have you been watching lately? Um, I actually watched Wolf Walkers myself recently, and I really loved that movie. I was between – you can check out my top ten uh, movies of the year on, on the dot-com right now. I was between that and Soul for my tenth spot. So I really like Wolf Walkers a lot. Um, it's for – the, re- the most recent movie from Cartoon Saloon, who's done a lot of really good animated movies over the year. I think the last one they did was The Breadwinner a few years ago. It was nominated for Best Animated Movie. Um, but yeah, kind of just to echo everything Brian said, that movie's really, really good. Um, but kind of what we were saying before with Pieces of a Woman, 
uh, I think I picked a really bad week to watch The Dark and the Wicked, which is one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, this is a movie that came out in like October or something like that, and I was catching up for it for my best of the year list. Um, but it's from Brian Bertino, who did the who did the the Strangers movie that came out in like 2008, which is like kind of one of the more nihilistic movies to come out because it was just like people um invading someone's house just because they could and there's the really famous line where they say that where they explain that to the people um and this is another movie that's like unbelievably nihilistic because it's basically just um like there's a father the father in the family he lives on a remote farm and he's he's dying he's, he's on his last legs and he's probably gonna die within the week so it's um the two kids coming to the the royal farm to just kind of, kind of console the mother and deal with the dad um and so it's just a week straight of these people kind of just like dealing with like grief and like their dad about to die and there's they turn that into a horror movie so like their their grief and regret is like this unseeable monster that's kind of terrorizing them throughout the week and um yeah it's really really depressing and it's even worse because i watched it the day of the coup attempt like i turned it off <laughs> and then i turned on like i looked on twitter and it was just like all the videos were coming in of um everyone invading the capital so it was just like well uh, i just picked an awful day <laughs> to watch this nothing good happening i, I was just, it was just it's a really good movie um you, it's one of those you have to be in the right uh state of mind to watch it because it's so depressing um but it's really, really good. It's really well acted. Um, um, not really much bad I can say about it, except it's just unbelievably depressing. So I guess your mileage may vary on that because it's just 90 minutes of people coming apart and like basically like losing themselves and like occasionally mutilating themselves because of the power of this uh, unseeable monster. So it's uh, yeah, it's great fun for all the all the family. Watch it with your loved ones and your little kids. <laughs> it's quite on the level of Jack and Jill then for personal uh, pain and suffering. Easy, easy, definitely. <laughs> yeah, The Strangers is one of those movies that, like, I just I couldn't not try to distract myself because it's just so creepy in the sense that, like, you always see where the killers are for the most part, and they're just always just like standing on the very edge of the frame. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of anything done by that team. Yeah, and it's there's nothing like super, like, because the thing about this movie is you you don't, you don't see the monster, and obviously that's a metaphorical thing, right? Because like it's a, it's a manifestation of their grief and suffering, um, but it's just yeah, it's just um, they show like grief, like the like their ever growing grief between the days like they'll do like what happened on monday and it's like all this bad shit happened and then tuesday it gets a little worse and it's like all the way out through uh through to sunday and yeah there's really not like too too much like it's not too complicated it's just really really depressing and then the movie's over and you're like well i just kind of am sad about everything so <laughs> I had a dark day on dark night on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I went down, went down a little bit of a wormhole there or a black hole. It was not good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fortunately I didn't have that problem. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago I had a thought and that was, what if I watched every Muppet movie? <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm a big fan of the original, like the 1979 version. Uh, I remember seeing the, I, like quasi reboot it's not like a full reboot but it's definitely a reboot with jason siegel 
Um, and then I like have vague memories of seeing Muppets take Manhattan. Uh, but the only one that I was firmly like, yeah, I could, you know, tell you the plot of this movie was the first one. So I watched all eight of them. Um, and honestly, I don't I don't think there's a single bad Muppets movie. Like there's definitely uh, some that aren't as good as others. I think the very first one's the best one. Uh, but the Great Muppet Caper, which is the second one, came out in uh, the early 1980s, has the two best recurring jokes I've ever heard. Um, like, just, I'm never going to watch a comedy again, because it's not going to top it. <laughs> um, but basically, there's like this one recurring gag in that movie. So it's a it's a mystery movie, basically. And Miss Piggy's been framed for stealing uh, Diana Riggs jewelry. And so... Uh, basically like a big joke is that Kermit and Fozzie are identical twins. And so there's just like repeated visual gags of people like confusing Kermit the frog with Fozzie bear. And there's like a picture in a newspaper at one point it's like uh frog marries pig. And then it's a picture of Fozzie bear and Miss Piggy. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> it's so dumb. And then there's, uh, there's another one where in that movie, and the Muppets are all like talking about what their plan is. And they're like, yeah, we need to catch the thieves red handed. And every time somebody says that one of the other characters will like wander in and be like, well, what color are their hands now? <laughs> and so the first time you hear it, you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then the second time it happens, I was like, okay, that's actually pretty funny. And then the third time <laughs> I just died. <laughs> I, I love that kind of humor where it's something about it makes me laugh where it's like, they double like whatever the movie is they double down so hard on the joke that it wasn't funny but then it becomes hilarious like they just keep going it's kind of like the i mean the show hasn't really aged particularly well but it's kind of like the family guy thing where it's like they're like so committed to how like stupid the joke is that it becomes amazing um so every time that happens i just get i'm it's like tip of the cap like it's just i love it <laughs> yeah and then there's like I think I've come to the conclusion that like the more like tame the premises of the movie, the better the Muppets thrive. Mm. So it's like, I'd say the bad ones are the ones where it's like treasure Island or Muppets from space or Muppets most wanted, where it's just like this insane premise. Mm. But like the ones where it's really funny is where it's like, everything's normal except the fact that like there are these talking frogs walking around. Um, Simplicity, <laughs> it works best, right? <laughs> Because, like, the first one is just they're trying to take a trip to Hollywood. The second one, they're just trying to solve a mystery. The third one, they're just trying to make a musical. And it's, like, when it gets really weird with it is where I think the movies don't work. And I think that's, like, the problem with the most recent one. Because the, the Jason Siegel one, which he co-wrote, is just, like, pretty simple. Getting the band back together. And then the sequel is, like, this super crazy, uh, like, international intrigue mystery. Uh, but there is a really good Seventh Seal joke early on in the movie. <laughs> where they're trying to figure out what kind of sequel they want to make and uh one of them's like what about a movie that's about the existentialism of death and life and there's just like a shot of i think like one of the muppets playing chess with death <laughs> isn't that where the uh, like the bad uh um, meme kermit meme comes from yeah. right i get the memes from, now. Right? i've never seen that one um and it's yeah just like all these meme formats that i've seen for a couple years i'm like okay this makes sense now yeah, it's good. The more you know, you you um, hate the happy time murders, right? Like you're yeah. I was that. I wasn't a big fan, even though it is like it's still a Brian Henson thing. Uh, but I just like I didn't I didn't vibe. Yeah, like, yeah. It's definitely that's like Muppet movie adjacent. It's not Muppets, but it's obviously <laughs> the Henson 
production, right? It's in it's yeah. in the same uh, universe. Yeah, it's the same cinematic universe, <laughs> the Henson extended universe. And I was one of the right. five people that watched the uh, the Muppets mockumentary that was on ABC like five years ago. So, <laughs> is that good? I was pretty solid. It's just like it's one of those things where I couldn't see anybody else watching it. But as someone who like grew up watching the Muppet Show, I was like, I have to watch this. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no way. As an 18 year old at the time, I wasn't gonna turn that on every Tuesday night. I think it's hilarious how because there's that recurring bit in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where Jason Siegel's running the vampire play, <laughs> and apparently he wanted to like he wanted to make a movie out of that vampire play. But then Apatow was like, no, just put it in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and move on with your day. And then he was like, fine, I'll just go make the Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny to look back and be like, oh, he just like really loved this and wanted to do this the whole time. And then he finally got a shot. It's really funny. That's a funny little bit. That's a really good piece of information. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably paraphrasing it like a little bit, but he was no, just like, right. I, wanted, I want to do Muppet stuff. And this stuff is really funny to me. And Apatow was like, cool <laughs> no like the because the first pitch for forgetting sarah marshall was literally just his dracula musical and then that's what like, it was that's we can't what, sell that's this yeah <laughs> he's like no that's, that's an that's a bit in your movie that it goes with other stuff and then he's like well yeah. all right <laughs> um but circling well. back <laughs> circling back to amy adams watching the first or the, <laughs> the first of the reboots uh the muppets it's just like the entire time she's on screen, I'm like, this is Academy Award nominee Amy Adams. And she's just like, there's one scene where some guy is like spraying a window down with a garden hose and she's having like a big dramatic crying moment in her song that she just sang. Um, it's just like, it's fun to watch them, those two actors in particular, just like have fun in this crazy world. And like this big, like singing in the rain-esque musical number that opens it up. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a very good movie, and I think Jason Siegel is a lot of the reason why, just his writing and his performance. Yeah. I feel like everyone is really happy when they're in a Muppets movie. Like, everyone's just having a really good time. Because you have, who is it? It's Michael Caine is in a Muppets Christmas Carol, Christmas right? Carol. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're all just, like, bloated with all these cameos and, like, these tiny roles. Like, Jack Black plays himself um, getting kidnapped in the Muppets uh, reboot. Uh, like yeah. Steve Martin has a really big bit in the original Muppet movie. Like Mel Brooks is like a uh, like a electric brain doctor in the first one. Um, so there's just like a lot of these little fun like celebrities being like, yeah, of course I'm going to be in a Muppets movie. <laughs> They're all are they all in Disney Plus at this point? Uh, no. So I had to rent the Muppets in Muppets Take Manhattan and Muppets from Space, but every other one was on Disney Plus. Okay. I feel like I don't know if I've actually seen all of them. I might have to do that at some point, maybe after this week when I need something happy after watching the coup in the dark and the wicked. I need something to make myself feel a little better. Muppet therapy. (laughs) Muppet therapy. I also got Santa overdid this year and I got the um, the Bergman criterion set. So I also have. 30 minutes i also have 30 movies of just existentialism to get into so maybe i can go down a different black hole or i can just watch the muppets we'll see yeah the uh priorities <laughs> family videos family videos are going bankrupt so i went and like cleaned out one of the stores and upped my shelf a little bit so i have a bunch of that stuff to get through yeah i feel like i'm just kind of grasping for anything at this point it's like what can 
because I feel like next week is kind of the big first week of movie releases because we have um, like One Night in Miami, I think, comes out in Prime Video. Um, there's a MLK FBI documentary that's coming out that's really interesting that I got a chance to see early. But um, I feel like until Thursday or Friday of next week, like I don't know what to watch because I don't feel like I don't want to catch up with Monster Hunter or um, <laughs> like anything else that came out. So I feel like I need to buy myself some time until things come out again. And you haven't seen One Night Miami? I've seen One Night Miami. It's really good. I've seen it. So okay. maybe, yeah, I don't really have anything else new to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck in it again. Who knows? Stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's everything we've been watching lately. Uh, that's lots of Muppets and 2020 content. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll start to ramp up. I think February is actually a little bit more packed than it normally would be, uh, which would be nice. And then... I mean, it really just kind of depends on what the U.S. is looking like COVID-wise and as the vaccine rolls out. I, I mean, I think we'll probably see some of these larger early-in-the-year releases get pushed back. Um, like Chaos Walking's already been pushed back till March. It was supposed to come out in a couple of weeks, but now that's been moved. So we'll we'll see what happens. What's the next big movie? I guess it's The Little Things, right? The Denzel movie that's coming out on HBO? Yeah, right. and then Judas and the Black Messiah is February 12th, and I think that's Minari's like big U.S. release as well. Malcolm and Marie is on February 5th, I believe, too. Mm. Yeah. So there's yeah there's there's a bit like coming up, and then March is where you know a lot of the say I'd say bigger stuff, but like Tom and Jerry. Oh, Tom and Jerry is actually last week of February, but March is like Coming to America and Ray and the Last Dragon, and then. The Kingsman and Morbius. Remember that movie? Uh, <laughs> so it's like where the year should pick up. Yeah, we'll see. Um, fingers crossed. I'm, my guess is that some of those move back. I kind of just want, I feel like Chaos Walking, I want it to turn into the new New Mutants. Yeah. Where it's just like, like I'm not even sure it exists, but it's going to come out at some point, And then it gets keep, it, gets, it keeps getting pushed back. And then we eventually watch it in two in 2023 or something like that i still didn't watch the new mutant so it doesn't exist to me yet so i haven't either i think i want to keep it as the bit where i just don't think it actually is a movie <laughs> yeah it's not real it'll be like that uh <laughs> like that orson wells movie that came out well like 50 years after he died oh <laughs> yeah the, the other side of the wind that movie's really good by the way when uh when tom holland dies in like 20 2103 Chaos Walking will finally come out. <laughs> yeah, it's vaulted till then. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about more movies. Uh, Nick may be talking about his Muppet takes. We'll see. Um, but remember, you can no always promises. check us out. <laughs> you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com.